Hi, my name's Emmy. And I'm Kayla. We've been best friends since college, where we found out we had a lot in common. We were both vibrant communications majors who met at a leadership camp. We've shared some of life's major milestones together, from living together in college, first loves and breakups, to each of our weddings, and now we even have our own families. I recently moved back from North Carolina after living there for four years. We now live in the same town again. One of the biggest things that's connected us have been our pasts dealing with trauma. I struggled with an eating disorder for a lot of my childhood and an early adulthood. And I was sexually assaulted by a family member over a long course of time as a young kid. We wanted to start this podcast not only to share our stories with the world, but to give other people the opportunity to share their stories and give them a voice. No matter your age, race, or gender, everyone has a story, and we're here to break down barriers constructed by today's taboo society. This is Motherful. Powerful moms, powerful topics. All right, guys, welcome to part two of birth stories with Kayla's sister, Alyssa. If you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to part one before you listen to part two. Here in part two, we are again joined by Alyssa, and we're going to go over Kayla and I's birth stories. Kayla's going to share her experience with being pregnant with an eating disorder and also planning a wedding and everything that goes along with that. And I am going to talk about my mental health struggles with being pregnant and not having the support that I was expecting in an unexpected pregnancy and also contemplating uh, giving the baby up for adoption and all of the that fun, joyful time. So everyone's experience is different and we just wanted to let everyone know that every journey to motherhood is different and these are ours. So thanks for listening. Yeah, well, I guess leading in then into my, my story, like like I said, I didn't have, I read the What to Expect When You're Expecting book. That's the only planning I did, so nope, to speak. do that. I definitely really struggled with my pregnancy because of my eating disorder, like the weight gain and everything. I had to go in more often to make sure that the baby was growing. The baby had a heart rate. And we actually didn't know when my due date was going to be at first because my periods were still off in one of them. So I didn't know when my last one was or when the baby was going to be due. So my OBGYN initially gave me the due date of November 14th, but then he kept moving it up. Like it was like Halloween day and then it was like early October, but it ended up being November 14th. Like that was the day she came and actually November 13th, I remember it was around six o'clock. I was making grilled cheese for the kids and I remember I started to have these weird the only way I could say it is like, I felt like a cell phone was in my stomach and was vibrating. Like it was a contraction and they started to come like five, 10, 15 minutes apart. And so I said, Corey, I'm like, I I think this might be it. We should probably go up just in case. And throughout that entire night, they got stronger and stronger. And I remember thinking that entire night, like I didn't eat dinner. Like I was so upset with myself because I'm like, this is like really triggering me because I didn't get to eat dinner yet. Like, what is this going to do? Like if I don't get to eat, because they told me once I got there that I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't drink anything. So, but then at midnight, my contractions were still about five, 10 minutes apart, but I wasn't dilating. They wanted to send us home and said, go home, come back the next day. But my doctor called and said, no, like she needs to stay. You need to keep monitoring her. They explained my past and everything and my heart conditions. So they set us up in a room and it was about 12 hours of labor later because it was just, I wouldn't dilate and I was struggling 
And my husband has a video of me. I feel so stupid that I actually did this. But I remember I was moaning so loud because of how hard the, the contraction hurt. And I was just walking in a circle. Like, I was just going in a circle, moaning. And every time the contraction come, it would be like a race car. And I would stop. And I would moan again. And then I would stop. Oh, I hate that he has this video. but I want to see the much- video. Oh, I was just how much in pain I was in. And I remember being so mad at him, too, because he left and he got KFC and he's just sitting there drinking and eating in front of me. And I'm just like, I can't have anything. But, yeah, the contractions, they were something, Alyssa. If you ever get to that third experience like this, it, I don't even know how to, ex- to describe it. They're so, so painful. But once you get through it, you're like, okay, I'm done. I can do this. But then another one comes and it's just like, oh, I can't do this. Um, and it got to the point where I was near tears every time I got a contraction. So I did get the epidural and my husband calls me a weak, weak, weak person for doing that. But oh, please. But I still, I still yeah. felt the contractions though. Make him still, go through some contractions. Oh, yeah. Well, I still felt them. And then, well, around 11 o'clock that next morning, my water broke and I was fully dilated. And the doctor said, okay, come 12 o'clock, we're going to start pushing. And that's when I believe you and mom were brought into the room. And at that point in time, I was, I was not nervous about having a, like having everyone like in the room with me, but I was nervous about everyone looking at me and thinking like, what does she look like? Why is she so big? Why is that there? And I was really, really scared. This is going to sound stupid that I was going to poop and pee when I gave birth. It's not stupid. I had the same same concern. Yes. So that was very, like, hard for me. <laughs> I don't very, think they like, really tell you that, that the possibility of pooping no. and peeing is a real thing until, like, basically you're in the hospital laboring. They're like, oh, by the way, you might poop. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yep. That That's exactly what they did. But they had to hook up um, a, something to me to get the urine out a different way. I forget what it's called. But Catheter. I could, catheter yes and the nurse she would say oh it looks like you're peeing and I'm like what (laughs) such a weird thing to point out thanks yeah she's like oh you're peeing right now like well thanks for telling me um but yeah it took me half an hour 32 minutes to push her out and it was I have to say Alyssa you're right it is very powerful because with every push I could literally feel her moving down my stomach and I could feel her coming like I felt her head crown I felt the little pop and I could feel her arms and like everything being pulled out. And once they pulled her out, it was just like this big wave, like a tidal wave of just like, re- not relief, but like the, of pain. And but then I was like, peace. Like she w- came out, she cried, everything was good. Corey cut the umbilical cord. And then the hardest part, I think, was that there was a group of nursing students in the room with me too. And they asked if I wanted to save my placenta and I said, no, it's fine. So they took it over to a nearby table and had the nursing students look at it and dissect it, which I thought was really weird in the room, and very, in the room with me. Yes. Yeah, so I just thought that was very odd. And I'm just like, what they're looking at. Okay, whatever. But yeah, it was very, very unplanned, very just with the flow with Carly. And she will be my only kiddo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Three is good. Yeah. Was there anything that you found specifically hard about your pregnancy having a past eating disorder and struggling with that? Definitely the weight gain was definitely hard. Um, Telling myself that I had to eat more to sustain my body and to sustain the baby's body. And 
I think the overall change, because I've never had my, like, I always, like, look down, like, oh, I don't, I don't see my stomach. But then as I started seeing the belly come out, it was very hard for me. And after birth, like, walking and seeing, like, all that extra skin, tr- like, not traumatizing, but it was very triggering, knowing that I had all this extra skin here. Um, it made me feel very insecure. But then it was very inspiring too to realize like oh there was a baby in there and I actually gave birth and I had a kid when everyone and all the doctors when I was younger told me I couldn't so like I beat the odds so to speak I think it was you told me that whenever you were going in for your your checkups and everything during your pregnancy Mm -hmm. that they had you get on the scale backwards so that you wouldn't see the weight but then one of the times later in your pregnancy one of the nurses actually told you what the scale said and you told me that and I was so mortified for you because I know how big of a trigger knowing that number is yep so I was just I was so emotional for you in that day that you told me that that happened yeah, it, it was like a couple of weeks. It was, I think it was like the October 12th visit. Because I remember thinking I was almost about ready to have her. And I was so close to my due date. And she told me the number. And I'm just like, I gained that much weight. Like, I was trying to keep positive. Like, I was doing good. And it's all baby weight. But I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh. Like, I gained so much. And it's incredible, though, to think how much water weight your body takes on. Because after I had Carly, like, my feet were so swollen, I couldn't put on socks and shoes, but then two days later, it was gone. It was amazing, like, how much the body changed. Yeah, even if you don't have an eating disorder, like, seeing how much weight you gain during a pregnancy, it's like, oh, my gosh. Because my boy now, like, gained 35 pounds, but nursing, I lost it all. I didn't really, you know, do nothing to try to lose weight. I just nursed and had to keep up with them and mm-hmm. didn't have to do nothing to, I wasn't worried about it. Yeah. (laughs) when we first decided that this was the topic that we were were going to do I was at first kind of on the fence about like what would it really be that interesting to talk about but then at the same time I realized that all three of us have very very different birth Mm -hmm. stories and I think that's important for people to know that it's not cookie cutter Mm -hmm. and my story that I'm going to tell now is almost the polar opposite of both of your stories in a more negative way. And I wanted to share that because I want people to know that it's okay to have a not so great pregnancy in a Mm -hmm. mental capacity. Mm -hmm. When I found out that I was pregnant, I was, I think about 20 and a half weeks. So at that point, half of my pregnancy was already over And I didn't know that I was pregnant because I wasn't getting any of the symptoms that they associate with pregnancy. Like I didn't have morning sickness. I was getting sick at night, but only after I ate dinner. So I just assumed that I was eating too much because at the time I was working a a door-to-door sales job where I was walking eight hours a day. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't putting on any weight. I was actually losing weight from walking. And... We moved back to North Carolina after a failed business adventure in Pittsburgh, and that is when I actually found out that I was pregnant when we moved back to North Carolina, and being states and hours away from any of my family and friends, I had no support system. I was terrified. Other than my husband, now husband, we were just boyfriend, girlfriend at the time. I had no one in my life that I felt like I could depend on. And along with that, 
my mother to this day still doesn't get along with my husband. So I, I found out that I was pregnant and I felt like a failure. I felt like I made a mistake. I, I messed up. I'm this shouldn't have been how my life went. And at the time I was 24. So it's still young, but like at a normal age that women start having babies, Mm -hmm. but we talked about it and I didn't want a baby at the time. I was very down. I didn't have any support. I felt like I can't do this. I don't want Mm -hmm. to do this. And we ultimately had decided to look into adoption. Like we were talking through agencies to give our baby to another family. Like that's what I had decided to do. And I told my, my mom and my dad and they had at first a, gone along with my decision. But then a couple weeks later, I get a call from my mom crying that you can't give the baby to a, a strange family. What if they're abusers? What if they're murderers? And they asked if they could take the baby. And ultimately we had agreed to that. But the farther along that I, I got into this, I was like, well, if my mom takes the baby, like they were very willing to, you were still the parents. We're just the grandparents. Mm-hmm. We're going to raise the baby until you feel like you are ready to get the baby back. And when I had decided that the decision I wanted to make was to do adoption, I was like, okay, this is the family's baby. This is not my baby anymore. But when it's my parents keeping the baby, this is my baby and the baby is going to start getting older and not have an attachment to me and wonder why doesn't my mom and dad love me? Why did they give me away? And my due date was actually December, I think 23rd or 24th. And at the time I was working a retail job and my boss, Krista was actually the very first person that I told that I was pregnant to because I was having such a hard time. I didn't have anyone to turn to. And that's when my my boss, Chris, and I really, we, we became best friends through all of that. And she and her family accepted us as their family. We would go to their meals for holidays, and it we just became part of their family. So I was pregnant. I was hanging out with her. And she would joke around. She was like, oh, I just need you until after Christmas, and then you can go into labor. Like, that was <laughs> really my decision, you know. It was kind of funny that way, but... December 25th came and went Christmas and I still had no baby and my parents had decided to come down to North Carolina to be with us until we had the baby because they were at that point still planning on taking the baby after I gave birth and it was a really hard time mentally struggling with that and they came down and it was funny I went on maternity leave December 27th, I think. So I was like past my due date at this point. I was still 40 weeks pregnant working. And the second day after I went on maternity leave, it was actually funny. I got a call from one of my other managers and she's like, hey, could you work tonight? Like I'm on maternity leave, but (laughs) yes, I'll come into work tonight because I had assumed that someone had called out and they like needed me and then come to find out that I got there into work and she just wanted to leave early so she could go get a tattoo. So that was funny. Uh, My parents were there and at the time they were there, they were there for almost two weeks actually, because Mm -hmm. I was two weeks late and I had to be induced. And in that time frame that they were there, it was very stressful and very emotional. But aside from being 
pregnant, you know, because obviously that's mm-hmm. stressful in itself. That was actually the first time that I told my parents that I had been sexually abused by my grandfather that still lived in their house. And the mm-hmm. only reason that I chose to tell them that at that time was because the plan was for our daughter to go stay at their house. I'm like, you need to protect my daughter. So the mm-hmm. same thing does not happen to her that happened to me. And, you know, that was a whole big thing. And I've gone into that already about all of those things. And at the same time, there was a huge fight between my husband and my mom. Mm-hmm. And it was, it did not end well. It resulted in my mother refusing to sleep in our house. We had a guest room and she refused to come into our house. She slept in her van for like three nights because she just refused to be in the house because of the argument that was going on. So that was all going on. It was all a stressful time. And aside from that, my pregnancy went very well. I didn't have any negative side effects from it. I actually loved being pregnant. I loved how it felt. Mm -hmm. I was very happy. I got a lot of compliments on my physical appearance. They were like, oh, you're glowing and you look so great. And I just, I Mm -hmm. loved the feeling. I wasn't sick. I wasn't uncomfortable. I wasn't in pain. I mean, towards 42 weeks, you know, you're going to become uncomfortable because you're huge. But we went in the morning of our induction date. And my parents were there and the room was tense because of all that was going on. And I was in labor for, I would say, 26 hours, I think. Mm -hmm. And I had actually decided, like, I didn't have a birth plan, so I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But (laughs) I decided they were like, oh, you could get the epidural now if you wanted to. And at that point, I hadn't even been feeling the contractions. I felt like a couple. And I was like, you know what? Sure. Like, let's just let's just go in and not. I I didn't want to feel pain. Like that wasn't. Mm-hmm. Pain. I had no interest in doing that. So I got the epidural almost right away when they offered it, and I slept through the night. Like I I slept, and my hospital stay was actually pretty boring. I watched a lot of HGTV. Property Brothers was on the TV. <laughs> so we're just chilling, relaxing, and 26 hours later, they're like, okay, well, it's time to start pushing now. And I couldn't feel the contractions to know when to push. I was like, oh, you're going to have to tell me. And they're like, okay, Mm -hmm. go now. And I was pushing for almost an hour and nothing happened. Luna's head was too big. She got stuck. She still has a huge Mm -hmm. head to this day. Like, I'm not surprised (laughs) that happens. Hats don't fit her very well. So then after an hour of pushing, they're like, okay, well, you can keep pushing, but nothing's happening. So they recommended that I get a C-section. And... I didn't plan on a C-section. No one had really warned me that a C-section was a possibility. I was just mm-hmm. planning on natural birth. And my parents were planning literally a couple days after I had birth to go back. Like at this point, they were already there for two weeks. They were planning on getting the baby and going back just after a couple days. And I knew having a C-section would extend that timeline because you had to be in the hospital longer. You had to be in recovery longer. But ultimately, I had the C-section. Yeah, I went into the room and Alyssa, I don't know if you had this experience whenever you were in the C-section room. I was so cold whenever yeah. it was freezing. Like I couldn't feel anything. And yeah. they, you know, you're, yeah, I'm like, I'm shaking. I couldn't, like I was, it, it felt, I think it's a shock thing. Like your body's in shock from everything that they're doing. And they, you know, pull the baby out of me as weird as that sounds to say. And the, 
the first thing one of the nurses said, because I was told that this was a girl the entire pregnancy, they're like, oh, hey, buddy. And I'm like, buddy, like, that's a, a boy thing. Like, I'm like, oh, no, was I been, have I been duped? Have I been lied to? And side note, it was kind of funny. They were asked Cameron, they're like, do you want to cut the umbilical cord? And he agreed and he, he was walking around. They're like, okay, keep your eyes forward. And he looked over and he sees all of my intestines sitting out of me <laughs> on the table. And he said it smelled so bad because they have to carterize you. And he said it smelled like um, a Burger King Whopper. And to this day, he will not eat Burger King because of how he associated those smells. So that happened. And we had the baby. And they after they took her out of me, they were like, oh, do you want to hold her? And at this point, I'm in shock. I'm freezing. I'm like, nope, I can't do it. Like, you're just going to have to give it to me later. And so I met the baby in the recovery room and this and that. And the hospital say went well. And we went home after, I think, four days. And we were still planning at that point to give the, the baby to my parents. And after the, like, they were getting ready, like, the next day they were planning on leaving. And Cameron had broke down to me crying. He's like, I I don't think I can do this. I, I can't give our baby away to your parents. And a lot of that played into the fight that happened between him and my mom leading up to the couple days. Because at that point, she was almost denying his paternity. Like, they were like, yep, you're the mom. But they, she wasn't going to acknowledge him as the father, almost. So that mm-hmm. really, like, had a, a wear down on him. And he's like, I can't do it. And so as much as I was terrified of keeping a baby because I hadn't been prepared for it, as much as I was terrified of that possibility, I knew for the sake of my relationship and my my marriage and my family, I had no choice. I had to keep the baby. Mm-hmm. And so we told them that we were going to keep the baby. And the next day they left and they drove back up to Pennsylvania. And I felt still like a a failure I felt like I had like my relationship at that point felt crushed between my mother and I because she was planning on taking this baby and then I just you know just we decided to keep her and the next day after that was the baby's first checkup appointment and we're sitting in this lobby waiting room with a four or five day old baby and I'm like what the hell am I doing I had not been prepared to keep a baby at all So I had postpartum depression about that very bad because I didn't prepare for a baby and all of a sudden I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. And I think about that story a lot because I was almost robbed of the joys of pregnancy because I, I didn't want the baby at the time because I was in such a low place mentally and financially that I didn't get to have a baby shower, that I didn't get to be like, oh, yay, baby nesting, preparing Mm -hmm. for a nursery. Like, I didn't do any of that. And then, boop, here's a baby, you're keeping it. So I went to therapy once or twice right after I had the baby, and a a lot of it, the therapist boiled it down to, you had, and I still think about this, about almost everything that I struggle with in my life. She's like, you had this picture of how you thought that your life was going to go, And then the picture changed and you Mm -hmm. need to learn how to cope with the new picture. 
And that's Mm -hmm. still something that I think a lot about. And I don't necessarily love telling my birth story to people because I don't want people to think, oh, you don't love your child because you are going to give her away to an adoption family or your parents. I love my child. She's like I said, she just turned three years old, but it was a a struggle when I was becoming a mother because I wasn't prepared for that. Mm hmm. So it's a lot better now. Obviously, I've gone through three years of life with her, but it was just a lot at first. Mm -hmm. I think that can be the highlight of this episode that everyone's birthing story is a different picture and that the end picture is not always going to look like the beginning picture that you have of like, oh, I'm pregnant. I said, these are all the things I want to achieve. This is what I want my pregnancy to look like. Um, Like you, like you, Em, I didn't know I was pregnant. I found out. Um, after coming home from a work training after a missed period and it was right after I got engaged so it was like oh my gosh this is terrible I'm gonna be nine months pregnant while I'm walking down the aisle but it was probably the best thing that could have happened because she was technically in all of our wedding photos she's with us for the ceremony she was with us when her mom and dad got married so it was everything works out and like Alyssa said everything happens for a reason I think it's also a a little blip note here, Kayla. You had told me that you were pregnant before your family and you were planning this wedding. And I was actually in on the surprise of telling your family. You surprised your family with telling them you were pregnant during your wedding dress fitting. And there was something like 15 people at this wedding dress appointment. And Mm -hmm. you had come out. Weren't you wearing the the fake baby bump that they had there? Yep. I was wearing the... went in and tried on one wedding dress and I knew that was the one because I had told the bridal people when, before I got there that I need a dress that will help me with my pregnancy, will flow with me. So they found this one. I first one I picked, I loved it. So I put the baby bump on and then I had my first ultrasound picture. It crippled up in my hand. And I had to tell you, like, make sure like when I come out, get the video camera rolling. Yep, I had the camera already. Yep, I just turned around and held out the ultrasound picture, and it was, oh, such a pretty dress, and oh my gosh, what she's holding Everyone was like, wait, what? What's happening? Yeah. We did not expect that at all. That was awesome. That was, like, one of the best surprises I've ever had, was you mm-hmm. turn and tell us, no, you're having a baby. Yeah. I think your mom at the time was like, are Kayla, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> yeah she couldn't believe it, because she, mom knows, you know, the trauma that you went through, and they were there at the doctor appointments when they said, you know, your odds of kids are, are low. And it was just an amazing blessing to find out, you know, that you have a baby on the way. Yeah. I think you should still have, I think you should talk to one more though. Oh, we'd have to move. <laughs> we need a bigger house. Yeah. I'm on the, I mean, Kayla, you already have three kids, two bonus Mm -hmm. kids at this point, but I'm on the one and done train. And it's not so much anymore that I get asked this, but whenever I was like Luna was a little toddler, people would ask me all the time, oh, when are you having the next one? And I, it really bothered me that people would ask me that because it's none of their business, first of all, whenever Mm -hmm. I have my next one. But I... I love we it was it's a, it's a funny story Luna was six months old crawling around on the floor and I look at Cameron I'm like so do you want to do this again and he got wide-eyed and he's like what like he thought I was like trying to tell him that I was pregnant again and I'm like yeah I think I'm good like I think this is just it for me like I think one is enough and he was like oh yeah me too like this is this is good and you know we're a content little three-person family we have our one baby and we're happy about that mm-hmm 
Well, Alyssa, didn't you tell Alex you were pregnant at his high school graduation? No, we weren't married yet. Oh, you weren't married yet. <laughs> he proposed to you at his high school graduation. That's what it was. Yeah. There you go. He was with me for all of our announcements. See, my babies are exactly two years apart. Like, one's born on the 10th and the other one's born on the 11th. And so we conceived our babies, you know, in the month of January. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, it's January. Yeah. <laughs> our October baby. I think also having babies, like, during the wintertime, too, is also plays, also plays a factor on, like, how you feel postpartum because you know sometimes it is you know cold mm-hmm. water pressing it's cold outside yeah but being pregnant in the summer stinks well yeah that was but terrible presses and stuff like in the winter time yeah. like, when you have the big belly i know hard to get a sweatshirt on and yeah. i'm comfy clothes sweatpants all the time but summertime pregnancies you can wear you know flowy dresses and I had the opposite of both of you guys. I It was past the summertime by the time I found out that I was pregnant. I missed the whole summer of knowing. And then I was in North Carolina. So I had my baby in January, but it was still 70 degrees outside. Yeah. It's a totally different experience. But yeah. did you guys have any weird pregnancy cravings? I had the same cravings for both of my boys. I, I craved chocolate, like chocolate ice cream and mm-hmm. chips. Like, I like the salty and sweet combination, um, the chocolate ice cream, like chocolate milk and anything like dairy, like cheese and stuff like that. That was my cravings for both of my boys. Mm -hmm. Mine was hot wings and York peppermint patties and milk. I bet the milk didn't go so well with you being lactose intolerant. No, no. I mean, I still crave like York peppermint patties and like milk sometimes, but like I know that if I do that, I'm going to be suffering for the next day, but yeah. I just really liked fresh fruit. Like, I loved fruit. Mm-hmm. I had fruit all the time when I was pregnant. I remember you calling me a lot and having a tub of ice cream, though, too. I did. And mm-hmm. I actually, uh, I failed my first um, gestational diabetes test. And they were like, okay, you need to come back in for another one. And I got really concerned. I'm like, listen, I can't make it through this pregnancy without ice cream. Like, it's not <laughs> happening. But they didn't tell me when I had my first test, I had it in the morning time. They didn't tell me not to eat before I came to it. So mm-hmm. I had just had a bowl of cereal before I went in. And that made me fail it because it was like a sugary, mm-hmm. sugary or cereal. And they didn't tell me not to eat. So yeah. their fault. Yeah, I said going through the um having to take the glucose test and test for gestational diabetes that was like the worst drink and mm-hmm. I did not like that at all and the morning mm-hmm. sickness was rough for me too because I know for both of mine I had the morning sickness at least till the third or fourth month of pregnancy mm-hmm. well I know I used I don't know if they were called contraction if they were contractions at that point in time but when I was about five months pregnant like I didn't really show till about six or seven but around five months pregnant for work I was placing these kids um, there was an incest case where the ki- the oldest kid came out that her dad was raping her and I was placing the other kids in the home. And I remember, I don't think, I think that whole situation, cause the, the mom was in complete denial, was denying everything. The police, state police were there with me and she was just screaming and screaming in my face. And I remember my stomach, like, I felt like I was having contractions. Like the baby knew I was stressing out. Like she knew that I was scared. And so I started humming. And I remember this mom just started screaming, F this, F that, you're humming while you're placing my kids and taking my kids from me. 
So then I had to explain to her, like, I'm five months pregnant. I'm having contractions. I need to calm myself down. And then the whole, well, I curse your unborn child. I hope your unborn child is dead because you're placing the, my kids. And how could you take my kids away knowing you're having your own? That was very stressful. Like knowing yeah, that she's feeling, that. she's feeling what I'm feeling. That was hard. Yeah, I can't even imagine being told that, you know, mm-hmm. you work in such a, a difficult field working with children and youth that you have to make those like you don't even make those decisions it's Mm -hmm. someone else you just make Mm -hmm. the filings and follow what someone else says Mm -hmm. but being in a field where you do that while also being pregnant and stressed out like it's I'm sure it was tough she called the 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 mom and the grandmother apologized to me in court a couple weeks later that they were they were out of their state and they shouldn't have said what they said but still like I remember every time I heard that person's name or I saw their face like I could feel her kicking or she was moving like she knew like oh that's who did this which is weird well thank you Alyssa for your story and Emmy for your story I think this is going to be one of those podcasts that a lot of people will go into kind of hesitant listening but then will come out thinking oh yeah I can really relate to this story or oh yeah I can really learn from that do you ladies have any advice for anyone expecting like what would you advise for anyone that may be you know, a first time mom or just unsure of what's going on with changes in their body. Cause you guys both have different experiences. I would say take the pictures. Cause like for me, I hated taking baby bump pictures, but I, I wanted to, to see the progress and I wanted to, to see how much she grew and how much I grew. So if you're a mom and you're expecting, and you're having those insecurities, just take the pictures, keep a journal of how you feel um, I think um, you, I mean, you kept up the journal about Luna, about I everything you're yeah. going through. I typed up a journal with about Carly. So definitely keep a journal and just experiencing what you're going through for your kiddo to read once they get to that age where they can read. I would say, uh, I know a lot of people, like you guys both had a very strong family support system. Mm-hmm. I did not. And I didn't have a supportive family, but I would say finding someone and finding a couple people who really offer that support, if it's not your family, if you're not around Mm -hmm. them. And for me, that was my boss, Krista. And without her, I don't really know. I I would have been worse off than I I came out of the, and I, when I was confiding in her about my pregnancy struggles and what I was going through, she really became such a good friend and she really was a shoulder to of support. So you need to find someone to lean on if you don't have that family support. And if you reach out to someone who isn't supportive, you need to find someone else. Like keep mm-hmm. going, finding someone else until you find a support system. Yeah. That's you and your goals and what you want. Yeah. yeah. I would say just be flexible. Um, nothing goes according to plan. And it's just, best to get in that state of mind that you know it's not all going to work out the way I want it to and that's okay it's not mm-hmm. going to be perfect, but it's all going to be okay in the end mm-hmm. so. the pain doesn't last that long it'll it'll hurt but it doesn't last that long <laughs> oh just 18 years yeah <laughs> yeah so. you thought pregnancy was painful just wait until you know they're toddlers you know all right yeah they're they're two years old and don't want to fall asleep or they fall asleep until midnight and they wake up every hour. Listen, yeah. potty training to me is way worse than my pregnancy. Yeah. 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 I agree with mm-hmm. that. Yeah. All righty. Well, thank you, Alyssa, for coming on our show. I, I think we will be hearing from you again here, mm-hmm. here soon. Uh, we won't give out that topic idea, but keep uh, coming back to hear more from her. And so, Emmy, I'll let you sign us off.
Okay, if anyone has any questions for any of us about our birth stories or want more one-on-one -on -one support, if you resonate with something that we've talked about, just reach out to us and we'll get you the correct support and give you some guidance and what helped us through each of our own individual experiences. Make sure to like us on Facebook, Motherful Podcast. Uh, send us an email at motherfulpodcast at gmail.com if you have any ideas or suggestions or want to reach out about anything. And we do have a new Instagram account that I am posting additional content to then our facebook so if you already like us on facebook also go and like us on instagram for secret content all right bye guys bye